I was chatting to a friend of my girlfriend's recently and, and she's a teacher and I was sort of saying, you know, like you must get great satisfaction from the fact that you're molding lives and, and you know, these people are going out there into the world and, and that's like a really important thing. And I was downplaying what I do and she was saying, but actually, no, what we do is we provide escapism for, for her stressful life. You know, she said she does her day job and then wants to come and go to the movies or, or watch a TV show or something and, you know, allowing people escapism from their stressful lives and we provide escapism and entertainment. Welcome to the Access VFX podcast. Pursuing inclusion, diversity, awareness and opportunity in VFX, animation and games industries. Hi, I'm Simon Devereaux, founder and director of Access VFX, bringing the visual effects, animation and games industry together, working towards a shared goal to make our industry more diverse and inclusive by taking action rather than just talking about it. Hello, I'm Simon, founder and director of Access VFX, and welcome to season two, episode 10 of the Access VFX podcast. We made it to double figures, people. Can you believe it? On each episode of the pod, we interview a different member of the VFX animation and games community and ask them a range of questions from the now famous Access VFX vault. Every week, we invite talented folks from the world of visual effects, animation and games, including heavyweights and those just getting started in the industry, and ask them about their journey from humble beginnings, big breaks and learnings, through to shamelessly mining their brains for career advice and their thoughts on how we can create a more inclusive and diverse creative community. For our 10th episode, we met with Blue Bolt VFX supervisor Richard Fraser. Has this man got some credits? Peaky Blinders, The Last Kingdom, Prometheus, Under the Skin, a personal favourite, Cloud Atlas, the list goes on and on. We recorded this on Zoom a couple of weeks ago before Richard flew out to Hungary to work on the next instalment of The Last Kingdom, and it was a great chat, quite literally getting under the skin of life as a VFX soup and his route into the role. We talk about his role colouring in monsters, his aspirations growing up in Leicester, yes, another guest from Leicester, and being paid to be a nerd. We very much hope you enjoy episode 10 of the Access VFX podcast. Hello and welcome to the Access VFX podcast, season two, episode 10. And I'm joined today by a VFX supervisor with credits on some incredible shows. He has worked for some of the big dogs in visual effects, including Framestore, DNEG, One of Us, Pixamondo, CineSight, MPC. I mean, there are loads. Again, check out his LinkedIn. Currently VFX soup at Blue Bolt. It's the brilliant Richard Fraser. Yeah, so welcome to the podcast. Uh, yeah, we've been uh, we've been plugging away, churning out episodes, and uh, I think you could well be our first visual effects supervisor on the oh, wow. uh, on the pod. So uh, super super flattered to have you on, somebody of your caliber. Well, thank you. Yeah, hope uh, hope it's an interesting enough chat to justify me being here. <laughs> it will, it will for sure. And what drew you to the podcast? Out of interest, what uh, are you a regular podcaster? Are we your first podcast? It's the first podcast that I've appeared on, but obviously, I, you know, I'm normally geeking out on podcasts all day whenever I've got a moment to actually listen to anything. Yeah, a lot of movie reviews and behind the scenes and VFX shows. But yes, my first one, first one that I'm appearing on. Excellent, excellent. We'll make it a good one then. I'm sure it'll be the first of many. And uh, where, where are you at the moment? Well, I'm currently in East London. I live in Walthamstow, but originally from Leicester, which I think you're from yourself. I am. Yes, yeah. yes. This is not a Leicestershire conspiracy. I mean, you are, you're our second <laughs> guest from Leicester, which, uh, and I rarely bump into people from Leicester in my yeah. uh, my travels around this industry. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is rare. It's not a, it's, I, I, I don't know, it's a place not known for 
many things, Walker's Crisps and the hosier industry. It was my home for a couple of decades, but yes, got out of there to uh, pursue more ambitious things. Excellent. Well, we love Leicester and yeah, I've got lots of friends who stayed there, but um, mm. I think uh, kindred spirit here that we uh, we escaped the uh, small town life for the, the glamour and glitz of the big city in the world of visual effects and animation. So uh, obviously I've done all my research. You've worked for some incredible brands and big studios. Yeah. How's that been? I mean, how many, how many years deep are you into, uh, into the, the craft now, Richard? Oh gosh. Well, I, I mean, I graduated in 97. So, I mean, do the maths on that. That's a, yeah, it's been a while, bit of a series of long and interesting jobs that ended, ended with me Mm. getting to VFX. We've touched on some of the questions already, but we should officially open the access VFX vault. And I've asked you this already, where I've said, where in the world are you and where did you grow up? So, uh, yeah, it's currently based in East London, home office, I assume, all set up? Yeah, yeah, I've been, well, as most people working from home for the last, you know, year and year or two, that's a, a good setup here. I was going back into the office for a couple of days a week until recently when everything's been shut yeah. down again. So, yes, as much as I would love to escape and remote work from some sunnier part of the world full time, I still have to come into the office for client reviews and so on. So um, I, I try and keep myself within the easy, easy commuting distance of central London. So growing up in Leicester, you know, I want to kind of hear a bit about what that was like for you. And I'm particularly interested in when you start to get the spark for being a creative or working in the creative industry. I mean, was that present when you were growing up or did that come much later? Not really. You know, I was always someone who was quite creative. I was, you know, quite average academically. I had a lot of report cards saying, you know, that I wasted potential as I wasn't really engaging with the subjects. But yeah, I was always a little bit geeky, you know, more interested in, in illustrating than, than mm. most things wasn't sure how that could then evolve into a career later on okay so yes and the next question is and uh, it's my favorite feels like a job interview and I ask it but uh, it's the it's the three words that describe you and I find that a lot of our guests interpret this in different ways we've had a few people hit me with three very separate words some kind of clever clogs have had a little three word sentence but I don't know be interested to see what it means to you Richard I I was unsure how to answer this. So I asked my girlfriend how she described me in three words. And <laughs> she said, reliable, committed, and well, up for a challenge, but wasn't quite sure how to compress that into a single word. If I were to answer it myself, probably say hardworking, creative. There you go. It's kind of two words yeah. and then a single. Hardworking, creative. I like mm. that a lot. A reliable, committed hard work and creative I mean that's mm. not three words I'm just kind of you know reading what yeah, I've written down here um <laughs> I like the idea of asking uh, your better half actually that's quite like, that's quite a cute idea I might uh, I might steal that for future episodes yeah it's it's that's one where you really have to look deep inside yourself to say how mm. would you summarize your entire being in three words I wasn't entirely yeah. sure how to do that a hard work and creative I like it I like it a lot and, and building on that then Richard what what in, what gets you out of bed in the morning then you know what inspires the hard work and creative in you what if you just mean what gets me out of bed in the morning, I think it's 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 having a team of people that I get to work with every day who are just all brilliantly talented in their own way. And I love just being able to supervise a team, but have the best possible artists. And just, I think of my job as 
being sort of facilitating their ability to do their job without me kind of getting in the way, just mm. getting everything set up and then taking a step back and not, yeah. you know, not micromanaging and just allowing them to do their thing. That's great. Yeah, I love yeah. that. I find that having done this, pod, particularly this season of the podcast, when I ask that question, I often expect folks to talk about, you know, the work or they'll talk about, you know, an amazing, I don't know, piece of cinema or art or something really, really typically creative. And what people are saying is people. It's being surrounded, mm. like, exactly like you've said that, you know, it's the people that inspire inspire mm. people and being around people and the whole kind of essence of collaboration and problem solving and, and working together towards a shared goal, whether it's a, a show a project or, you know, even compared to what we do as, as the Axisphere Effects Network, it's all about collaboration. That's what's so cool about the community, I think. And it's really coming out in these these episodes so that's great to hear yeah definitely so on the back of inspiration this is the explain what you do for a living to an alien you get the knock on the door from the extraterrestrials how do you you know articulate what you do in a sentence or two i think my my favorite pithy summary of my job was from one of my dear friends who i've known my entire life who who said that i i color in monsters for a living which just think is hilarious. But then now that now that I've I've I'm more in a sort of supervisor role, they they've upgraded that to say that I now tell other people to to colour in monsters. <laughs> which I don't I don't want that to sound sort of disparaging of what we do. You know, I I, I love colouring in monsters for a living. Yeah, right. But, um, that. Yeah, absolutely. I try to I try to keep some perspective on what it is we do in in our in you know in the grand contribution sure. to society like if i'm yeah occasionally find myself down the pub after a stressful week at work kind of moaning about how hard it's been and then you know find that you're talking to i don't know a nurse or someone someone who's like yeah. or an ambulance worker who's just been in the thick of it and you just go oh actually yeah i've got nothing to moan about i, I get to get pretty good get to yeah. just make pretty pictures all day and <laughs> i'm not i'm not you know i'm not curing cancer here i'm not you know, no yeah. one's going to die if I don't do the job well. It's uh, yeah, we're we're having fun. Yeah, yeah so I love that. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's 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 definitely some humility there, isn't there? That's a humbleness, and I've always kind of uh, been a big not a big fan of, but I've always kind of you know subscribed to the I don't know the idea of not believing your own hype. You know, not you know we, let's say we're not saving lives, and yeah, this is it's, it's a great industry to work in. You get to contribute to culture. You know, whether it be through TV, films, commercial work, animation. Yeah, it's all great content that people adore and love well but. yeah i mean if you want to take the the sort of you know the more the more high-end approach to it then sure i mean you could say we're continuing this tradition of, of storytelling and that mm. you know this was originally i don't know cavemen sitting around a bonfire telling stories about the history or whatever <laughs> but i was chatting to a friend of my girlfriend's recently and and she's a teacher and i was sort of saying you know like you must get great satisfaction from the fact that you're molding lives and and you know these people are going out there into the world and and that's a really important thing and i was downplaying what i do and she was saying but actually no what we do is we provide escapism for for her stressful life you know she said she does her day job and then wants to come and go to the movies or, or watch a tv show or something and you know allowing people escapism from their stressful lives and we provide escapism and entertainment and some occasionally occasionally we we 
we do more highfalutin <laughs> coloring the odd monster yeah yeah exactly sometimes it's just coloring in monsters well, i'm glad you uh, for, for the aliens sake at least you've added some context there and it isn't just coloring in monsters because i'm sure they probably come from a planet full of monsters so you don't be literally approaching yeah. monsters with you exactly with your, yeah sometimes i'm case. just sometimes i'm just drawing aliens when i was at the mill prior to my current role one of the uh pretty famous kind of uh, I guess uh, artists who became a creative director refused to call himself a creative director and he changed his job title to head of coloring in which was oh, nice really cool really <laughs> really cool go. and just yeah, yeah just stripped away all the ego and it was just like this is yeah. what I do you know and that's uh, just really really cool with that I love it <laughs> that's, that's a good one I love that Clue monster for living that's a that's a keeper definitely that'll go on the that'll go in the show notes I think for this uh, just this want that to be on my just want that to be on my business card <laughs> and there's a lot of business card fodder coming out of these uh these, these conversations for sure so moving back to we talked a bit about your formative years in Leicester and you know a bit about the kind of the early creative spark I mean, what did you want to be when you grew up? What was the what was the ambition when you were a youngster? I'm not sure I had anything like a clear, ambitious idea of of the job that I wanted to go into. Uh, I was definitely, I mean, I was averagely good at most subjects, but I was I had a lot of re- wasted potential report cards. It wasn't anything I was particularly passionate about, apart from art. Really, I just wanted to do. I knew I wanted to do something creative, but you know, I was from just a working class background. I mean, my dad was an engineer and my mum's a dressmaker. So there was never, my dad wanted me to go learn a trade. So that I always, always had a job. There was no, no idea of me going and doing anything creative for a, for a living. And I wasn't, there was no pressure also of doing, you know, going into academic studies either. But yeah, I mean, the, the stuff that I grew up on, I think, would possibly have of a similar generation I was watching sort of 80s horror and action and sci-fi movies and that was the thing that I got really excited about but I yeah you know, my I didn't there was no part of my brain that thought that 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 was a job that you could do you yeah. know I just thought it was done by some super geniuses over in Hollywood and you know the that it's just this in yeah it just didn't it wasn't even on the radar and you know I was I was doing the hobbies you know I was into wargaming and making little model making and miniatures and all that sort of thing but it's just just hobbies that was you know yeah. it never occurred to me that that's something you could you could actually do as a job yeah so when did you know you wanted to you know what what set you on the path that's got you to you know vfx supervisor at blue bolt oh gosh well that's i mean it took a little bit of a while to get there you know studying graphic design before that was what I ended up studying because, okay. you know, the, the the careers advisor machine that spits out <laughs> the thing doesn't offer many, many things beyond that. I ended up doing A-level art and then I, you know, I need, I need to take two more subjects. I did English and maths. Just realized a few weeks into that, like this, this is just not really what I want to do. And I was fortunate that a friend of mine had just started doing a BTEC in graphic design at, at Leicester Southfields College. And I thought, oh, wow, this is great. I could do something just that would be 100% of my studies would just be in, in one subject. Mm-hmm. And there's the possibility that there'd be something creative at the end of that I could do for a job. So I, I, I quit my A-levels and, and started doing this national diploma. And that was great. That, you know, that was, they covered a range of things. It was photography and illustration and printmaking and all these sort of things. So yeah, that, that mm-hmm. set me on that path. And then... So I did that for two years. Then I got my first job at a, at a printer's actually in Leicester that was was doing some desktop publishing there. And 
they were letting me do a little bit of the Photoshop work, like retouching. And mm-hmm. I realized then I was quite enjoying digitally manipulating images. That just thought that was like a really fun thing to do. I've, I've somehow ended up in a job that I think was the job that I always wanted to do, but without actually knowing that back then. Mm-hmm. It's weird. I've sort of <laughs> found, I found my way there and thought this, if I'd have just known that this existed when I was younger, that would have been what I've ever aimed for. Yeah. I just had no understanding that it even existed as an option. Yeah, it does. It's like, again, I used the term osmosis. Everything I hear about this industry is these, these chance, chance encounters or an experience mm. or, you know, yeah random you know opportunities advertised in the in the press you know or, or whatever but you know it's not very clear and, and still isn't if i'm honest i mean there's definitely much more opportunity out there but you know young people still don't know that this it's a viable option to work in yeah i mean I, I wasn't even certainly when i was doing a levels it's because mm. nobody told me that there were any other educational options you know i finished gcse's and they said oh well your options are do a levels or go out into go out into the industry i wasn't yeah. even aware that BTEC was a thing that existed. Mm. I didn't know that you could do other vocational courses. I mean, the 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 only I think the only insight I had into that was I saw an advert in would have been like one of the magazines like Fangoria, like one of these horror fan magazines that got a little bit mm. into the the behind the scenes side of of filmmaking and and prosthetics and things. And in the back of there, there was an advert for doing a like a you know a prosthetics course, <laughs> which but was a short course and it was prohibitively expensive there's no way i could have actually afforded to do it but i remember that the first time me seeing that and realizing oh that's being offered in england and just i didn't think people did that sort of job in england that was all over the over in america yeah i mean we still think that now you know with big you know especially big pop properties you know big american movies and there's an assumption that it's it's hollywood it all happens there and actually Mm. most of most of the studios as we all know are were built and founded in the UK. So it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been quite a ride. I mean, my, my experience going through the industry, I've learned, learned so much and continue to do so. This podcast included, of course. Uh, so Richard, what made you choose the, keeping this kind of linear kind of story going, you know, what, what made you choose the university you ended up at? Well, I, I started this first job, you know, I was probably 18, 19 years old. All my friends have been going off to uni and it sounded like they were having mm. quite a fun time being students. So I thought, oh, it could be fun to go to art college for a couple of years. So I ended up applying to Plymouth College of Art and Design. I did a HND in graphic design there. Career-wise, it wasn't the best use of two years. I would have probably been better off working for another two years. But, you know, it was fun. I got to be an art student for a couple of years. Um, But to answer the question, I I chose that one just because it was the closest to the West Country. And I I really like that part of the country. And I wanted to just go down there and be a surfer and uh, bum about for a couple of years. There's nothing wrong Um, with that. There's nothing wrong with that. And yeah, I mean, my my university experience, it was, yeah, I wanted to get away. I wanted to get as far away as possible. I mean. Oh, yeah, yeah. I wanted to be by the sea. You know, we grew up in Leicester, about as far away from the sea as you can get. And in my mind, it was like where I went on holiday. So I thought, oh, I'll go live down there for a couple of years. No, I remember turning down down an offer to go to Birmingham just because it was too close yeah in Birmingham Leicester it's pointless you know I wanted mm. to be yeah as far flung as I could so I completely completely respect that so I want to move into yeah you get into industry or industry and at the moment and what do you class as your your big break into the, the visual effects industry so I, I finished graduated and and started working in the the sort of late 90s doing website design initially and back when like you know flash animations when that was a big thing so I was starting to do moving image stuff like you know motion graphics and a little bit of very basic video editing 
and then from that taught myself a bit of after effects because you know if you're going to get into doing motion graphics work that was the tool to use i had a job for gosh about four and a half years doing like corporate corporate video work it was motion graphics and video editing but part of that we were doing compositing we would we would do these little videos of pastiches of like james bond or mission impossible or something and you know get their sales rep and comp them into a shot and that was it was i look back on it at the work i did and it was you know horrible work that i created but it was it was a great place to learn how how to do compositing because no one had there was no one there to show me that i had to just work it all out i was just working after effects you know we we built our own green screen studio there so i was i was filming a lot of this stuff myself and then just just figuring it out there was no there's no pipeline it was just me sort of botching it together but yeah it was was a good place to yeah try experiment right to experiment exactly and, and try and fail and and then i i ended up speaking to sort of friend of a friend who who was a compositor at weta and um had worked on one of the first lord of the rings movies and he was showing me some of his work he got it on his laptop and I just remember think couldn't believe like that he had this this work on his laptop that he'd shown me like he's breaking down a shot and now mm. I think back at it now it's you know it's just what we do with with a with a showreel breakdown of, of yeah yeah you know showing showing the layers that are put together you know it's like I'm I'm talking to this guy you know he's got a named credit on the end on the end scroll of Lord of the Rings <laughs> but he's just like a real human who's here who's just a normal bloke <laughs> with some stuff on his laptop and made me realize like oh wow I could I could be doing the real thing here and that really fired me up to go okay I don't need to work on these sort of knockoff things I want to go do the actual the actual yeah, the real movies. deal yeah. yeah exactly so was that and the then, moment then do you think that was that, that was a big moment that was definitely, that was definitely that laptop. A, yeah it was definitely a eureka moment of realizing yeah, like oh there, there are people that do this and they're just regular humans and it's a job and you know what can I do to to get myself there so Never had any formal training in this. I was just learning it on the job. And I thought, okay, I need to at least get some basic set of skills. So I was doing some like Nomon training and uh, mm-hmm. FX PhD, bit of online training yeah. just to teach myself how to use Shake back when we were using Shake for compositing. And so with that, I then took the plunge. I applied to frame stores, you know, in the paint and roto department. And uh, the age of 32, just decided to take a salary cut of like, you know, I was on about, well, half my salary for what I'd previously been on and just working there with, with people who had just freshly graduated from, from university really. But I thought it's, it's great because it's a foot in the door and I can, you know, this is the way in I'm I'm doing junior work and I'll suck it up because it's it's, exactly, it will get me there on that path. So that, that was really my way in. And then, you know, I think I worked on the first show was where the well things are, and then the second oh, one I did a little bit of work on. That on that. Yeah, it was, I loved. It. Yeah, that was a huge appeal for me to yeah. to uh, to join a frame store. But then the second show was a little movie called Avatar, which I get to do a little bit of roto on, and I got a named credit on there. So yeah. I went from looking at this guy going, "How do you get your name on the credit reel of such a big movie?" And then you know what, pretty much my second credit was on one of the biggest VFX films of all time at the time, which just fired up my confidence to go, okay, this, so this is a thing that could happen. <laughs> what, what a great story though. I mean, we talk a lot about, particularly through the work we do with Access VFX, it's all about how your career snake, 
we talk about people a lot of people kind of making decisions like you did you know to just completely switch not completely switch careers but definitely take the plunge and like you mm. said take a take a step back or sideways move or pay cut or whatever just to do what, what they really want to do and I'm sure you've had plenty of moments sitting there with your laptop and I'm sure you have, have to check in with yourself when you're kind of showing <laughs> people all the amazing work that's on your on your website now but yeah. I just love that you know that theme and spirit of just proactivity and and teaching yourself stuff you like you said you picked up after effects you picked up nomon and fx phd and 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 really just unconsciously just just got on with it and 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 built your big break in many ways i mean it just sounds it's just a really really great journey from is what i'm trying to say yeah i mean you know i'm I'm not i think it's wonderful that we now have you know specific vfx courses and that that is a path for people Mm. to condense that education and then and then get placed into industry but you know, the, I just had a different path because that wasn't available to me. It was all just taught, teaching myself on the job. Mm. Brilliant. That's brilliant. And still, still, despite the the broad range of VFX courses that exist more formally these days and probably a bit more affordable as well, I mean, some expensive stuff out there still, mm. there's still that spirit alive and well today with the next generation coming up about proactivity and teaching themselves things. And, you know, the kids that make games on their phones now using kind of technology in the palm of their hands. I mean, it's... Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, the barrier there. to entry is so much lower. You've got so much out there. As you say, there's, there's, of course, you know, you can go do this full time on a course and there's a, there's a cost overhead of that. But also, there's, just go on YouTube and just find people sharing content you know if, if you've got access to the software there's plenty of ways of of learning this at home and i'm astonished when i you know i chat to uh, kids essentially you know like young teenagers yeah. that show me like the kind of thing they can they can create on their phone with really basic software that just blows my mind that that you know <laughs> 15 20 years ago would have been the kind of thing you could only do on the, the most high-end machines available absolutely but now it's a great i love that journey thank you for sharing richard so we're going to move into a bit about the work now. And I want to talk a bit about what you would, I mean, you've worked on a lot of stuff. You know, there's mm. a lot, I mean, your website, I mean, it's, it's, there's a ton of content on there. And I'm interested to hear what your favorite show or favorite job or project has been today. I, there's, there's quite a few to, to choose from. I've, I've been quite fortunate in that I've done a lot of, I've managed to travel a lot through work, which is part of it that I really enjoy. There was, I, you know, the, the winding path that I mentioned, there was a brief sidestep where I did a job for a company where we were filming um, a snowboarding tour and a mountain biking event that, that toured all around Europe and Russia and Canada. And we were, we were just following that around, filming little packages and doing motion graphics. So that was kind of fun because just, you know, five people in a van driving all over the place and, and, and doing that. That was fun. Of the films I've worked on, Robocop was a fun one. I think not that it was a particularly great remake of a movie that I grew up on. The original is one of my yeah, favorite same. movies of the 80s that I was quite excited about. Robocop is very dear to my heart. I'm going to try Absolutely. and resist, resist the temptation to, to take you down for ruining Robocop. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't think anyone's going to remember the remake as much as the original, but okay. as a project, it was super fun because you're just, I mean, literally doing robots and explosions every day. But I, yeah, if I had to pick one, though, it would probably be The Last Kingdom, which is the show I'm currently working on and have been on since season one. I was I worked just as an artist on seasons one and two, and then I've been supervising it from three through to we've just finished doing season five. And that is, yeah, just a show I feel quite invested in. Yeah. And and it's it's a really fun show, I think. You know, it has a big fan base and I just love the sort of 
dark age world that they create yeah. there it's my kind of thing it's just battles between vikings and saxons and we do a lot of fun you know a lot of fun gore and and Brilliant. armies and things so yeah it, yeah it, you know everyone that works on the show has i try and make it as fun as possible like we all all the team love love the show and for me it's like you know it's like it's like play you know it's like doing warhammer tabletop war i was game, gonna say it's like going back to your uh, painted lead figures again exactly but i'm doing it i'm out in the countryside in hungary like looking at yeah. a field with just hundreds of people and knowing that i need to then augment this to make it thousands of people thinking well this is fun this really is like me <laughs> playing yeah. warhammer when i was 12 but now doing it as a job talking about journeys it's you know, a bit like you say you've been on it from i saw on your website you've been on it day one and i imagine it's the same crew and the same people which speaks to what inspires you right being surrounded by absolutely yeah it's a great the, community I'm, of people i'm about to head out there I'm about to head out there this weekend to you know start oh i think yeah it's it's okay the 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 special that's about to shoot that is information that is out in the world so i'm allowed to talk about oh, that good but, yes against trouble <laughs> flying out this weekend to do the first recce's on that and um it will be the same a lot of the same crew that i've worked on for good. many seasons which is great you know it's wonderful just having that that team of people that all know it really well and are just really absorbed in that world awesome that's so good yeah and yeah it must be so this is such a nice thing to do with bearing in mind you're your formative years of uh, yeah the Warhammer days, seeing it all come alive in front of him, he's chatting to blokes with massive broadswords and yeah, wearing all the gear. Like I said, you know, if if I'd have gone back in time to my twelve-year-old self, it would have you know <laughs> <That's> <laughs> said, look, that's the perfect job that you could do in the future. That's it. A, not, not a hard sell that one for sure. Yeah. I mean, the next question we used to call it the worst job compared to the favourite job. I think that's a bit unfair. We don't like to be too negative so kind of changed it just you know what has been the most challenging project you've worked on or, or show well it okay if you yeah do we do we talk about do we do we frame this in a negative or a positive <laughs> the worst it was certainly what i mean the one that was the most the least fun to work on there was one that was you know it was a show that which just seemed to be in in deadline crunch for three straight months i knew it was going to be a nightmare I only signed up for it because I, you know, I had a mortgage application at the time and I needed to show that I actually had a job. And that was just brutal, you know, every day working till past midnight for week after week after wow. week. And just, you know, get, going for going for dailies at sort of 10, 11 o'clock at night. And then you're expected to hit your notes afterwards before you go home, which. Yeah, it's brutal. I, yeah. You know, like I'm not you. I think everyone that everyone I've spoken to that worked on this same show at other at other companies had a similar experience. So I'm not I'm not singling out that company, but course, it was. Yeah. But yeah, I was watching people around, you know, just burn out around me, and I just didn't see daylight or or see see anyone yeah. that I knew for for several months. And I was trying to move into this new flat at the time, renovate it, had all these other things going on, and yeah, I, at the end of that, I just thought this is what am I doing? This is not fun. This is not what I signed up for this industry for. I was ready yeah, to sort of tap out and go do something else, go yeah. work as I don't know, dry stone waller or something that I could. Yeah. But did, you say that. Yeah. Sorry, go on. I was just going to say it did. What positive I will take out of that is that it made me, made me set the bar for what I would accept as a job and know that I've just, I just wasn't going to, 
put up with with doing like those sort of insane jobs again like if it, if it was a if it's a project i was really passionate about like you kind of put in the extra hours but it was it wasn't something i was particularly passionate about i don't think i've ever even watched the the finished thing so um really? yeah but uh, it it made me actually it was a bit of a kick at the backside for me to take a little bit of a sideways step in that i thought i want to I, I need to be in in my job where i'm doing something outdoors and where i can actually interact with people and you know it's kind of miserable sitting there with your headphones on with the rows of artists either side of you and you don't mm. you sat next to the two people here for weeks and you don't really know anyone because everyone's just in their own little world of stress and yeah that really made me want to go do more on set work really go do more supervising work where i could actually be outdoors and yeah. actually you know interact with people yeah, and it's like that almost needed to happen, didn't it? It sounded like it was a, you know, I'm not an advocate for long, brutal hours and and, and hor- yeah, horrible jobs, but almost a rite of passage to go right. That's not what I want to do. Yeah, and it's the I've done other jobs where you know, of course, you like I've done heaps of jobs where you do long hours. I mean, anyone that's in this industry has done the same. But it it, it was definitely a moment where I just had enough and just said, okay, I need to I need to do something slightly different here. But I wanted, actually, I wanted to talk about a different job just to try and do a more positive one, which was Under the Skin, yes, which yeah, uh, yes. which you mentioned before, which I think from a just a technically challenging point of view was was a really tough show. And I, I, I love working on that show, but it, it was, was it was tough work in that, you know, the, the whole sequence at the end with the transformation mm. of Scarlett Johansson, it is close up locked off really long takes of of her head where we're augmenting cg onto it and you can see every skin pore and there's just there's nowhere to hide it's all the all the usual tricks that we do with throwing motion blur and and lens flares over it none of that you could do none of that and and the director was very picky as well like i sit with him and he liked to be showed lots of examples of different things so that he could visualize it before he made decisions so that was that was great in that it was technically challenging. I thought the, the work at the end of it would look look great yeah, on that well. on that movie. And yeah, I love that that movie is is also one that will people probably still be talking about in years to come because it yeah you know, people either think it's a work of genius or they just think it's completely unwatchable. Yeah, um, it's it's hugely. I mean, I've yeah, I'm a big fan of the movie. I think it's oh, so you're on the side of you're, yeah. you're definitely pro I under the skin. Thought it, it's not. It's an uncomfortable watch. Yes. But I guess that's why I like it, because it challenges you. And it's science fiction, but it's done in such a unique and original way. Absolutely, um, yeah. I just thought it was brilliant. It was really dark and immersive and, yeah, brilliant. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast for that alone, <laughs> Yeah, Richard. Yeah, exactly. As you say, it's a challenging movie. And mm. some people, they just go, no, not interested. Yeah. But certainly the work that, yeah, there were some interesting things that, visually that one of us were were leading the way with mm. and uh, it's funny seeing that then ripped off is a strong word but you mm. see some of those things echoed in, in movies that came after it where you go oh yeah. look that's that's a direct yeah. <laughs> direct reference to under the skin there well i could i could keep talking about under the skin but i'm very aware we've got the few more vault questions to plow through i'm sure we, we, we may we may circle back to uh, to discuss it even more but i want to talk about heroes visual effects or vfx heroes and people that you've admired coming up through the ranks and uh, do you have one do you have a vfx hero richard 
Well, there are, I think, probably two two people I wanted to mention. One of, okay, so the first one would be Gareth Edwards, who I've never I've never met. He's just someone that I look at and think his career arc is essentially what I wish mine could have been. In that he feels it feels like he's like a VFX artist that has done good. In you know, I love that I rewatched Monsters just recently as as my girlfriend hadn't seen it and. Um, you know, I love that that was him. He filmed that, directed it, and then just did six months of in his in his house doing all the VFX himself. And you know, it's just that work ethic of of just figuring it out and being your own. You know, doing your own scheduling, knowing that you have to hit so many shots per day, and that obviously that then started elevating him him on the on the trajectory of. You know, directing he ends up directing Godzilla and Rogue One, which is pretty much, you know, that's like the dream job, isn't it? I mean, I grew up on those old school Godzilla Japanese versions, Mm. and uh, I love those movies, and and grew up on Star Wars as well. So he's he's ended up achieving that through uh, kind of doing his own thing, and um, yeah, I like that one of the FX PhD courses that I signed up for was the the guerrilla filmmaking what is it called guerrilla vfx for filmmakers i think where he was showing how he did stuff for tv back when you've got it you know you're trying to find all several shots a day and you go oh the, like you know the technique the technique he's teaching seems completely wrong you're watching how he's throwing a shot together and you just i'm going like no no this is <laughs> this is not how you teach people to be vfx but then the end result you can't argue with the end result yeah. it's that's all that matters. And I just think that's a, a testament to understanding what works for a shot and mm. not being too bogged down in what is technically correct, but just, you know, what visually yeah, works. Yeah, works, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, yeah, again, I used to term cookie cutter earlier, like, you know, it's not everything's just the same approach all the time. And it's like any problem solve, any creative, it's just, a, you know, it's the get back to the journey, isn't it? It's how you get there and mm. and, and what techniques you adopt. That's yeah. a great, that's a great answer. Problem problem solving. Solving. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, Again, with the right people around you, it's got, so we're sticking with Gareth Edwards. Then is that going to well, be the, and then, the big well? One? The second person I should probably shout out is is someone I did work with who was the VFX super on Hugo, which is a mm. show I worked on at Pixamundo, which I I nearly didn't work on. I, I joined there to work on on a, a different project, and my contract had finished. And they were gearing up on this on this movie called Hugo, which I'd. I don't know, I wasn't really keen on. I'd seen an, an early trailer and it looked a little bit wacky and I wasn't yeah. entirely sold on it. And um, Scorsese, I, wasn't it? Well, exactly. I just kept yeah. thinking it's Scorsese. I mean, it's got to, how bad <laughs> could it be? Yeah. And so, yeah, they asked me to stay on and I'm glad I did because it was ended up being this wonderful show and uh, really, well, I ended up winning a, an Oscar for the VFX. But yeah, Alex Henning, who was the, the VFX soup on that, who was you know, in, brilliant and in just insanely busy. And I don't think I ever saw him leave the office. He, he just, just worked, worked his backside off on that show. I just, I remember that he would always take the time if ever I had a question or something that he would just sit with me at my desk and actually just, you know, demonstrate to me in front of me, like how to do things, which I appreciated so much because I, I was very much a junior artist. And the fact that he's taking time out of what was his insanely busy day to, to to teach me these things was that was a huge thing and you know I've always tried to remember that that generosity of his time when you know when when I'm on a show and they're a junior artist 
makes a difference just to be able to go okay i'm busy but i can just spend time yeah yeah just make time to to show people some little tips and tricks that 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 will help them yeah so yeah i've always appreciated that from him i think that's a a lovely thing to take away as well from that relationship isn't it it's about informs your mentoring relationships with uh, the, the generation coming up under you and yeah it is the old adage of paying it forward it's what, what we all should be doing more of so i think that's a that's two great examples i'll let you have two i'm going to ask one <laughs> but you can you can have both of them so we've got the quick five geeky section now which i'm sure you'll lead into which is the first one is what's uh, what's the best vfx shot or piece of animation you've ever seen wow yeah i mean i'm just racking my brains for you know decades of cinema <laughs> we did the standout things i think question. there's i definitely distinctly remember stepping out of the cinema after watching terminator 2 and also jurassic park and just my mind being completely blown and just thinking i've i don't understand what i've just seen you know <laughs> my brain couldn't comprehend it, it such a such a quantum leap above anything i'd seen before but I don't know, more recently, I think there's there's less of that, you know, paradigm shift, like I've never seen anything like this before moment, because mm-hmm. we're just getting incrementally better at doing VFX. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's, I mean, Marvel movies are coming out several times a year where they're just you know, insane amounts of, of VFX going on. But I just, I don't know, I'm not fine. I struggle to find those as impressive sometimes because I can't quite, switch off my vfx brain i'm just i find myself staring yeah, at the backgrounds it. and analyzing it and thinking oh wonder how many versions of that water sim that took to get that final but i don't know if that's just from side effects of working in the in the industry for too long and i've lost that sense of wonder of seeing it for the first time it's almost the responsibility of the the artist or the director to have have the visual effects so good that you know the artist in the audience can get lost in the story well, rather that, than pulling it exactly all apart that, that for me is it. that for me is the, the real milestone is if if i if i can switch my brain off and i'm I, i'm registering like this is a big vfx shot but i'm not breaking it down because i'm enjoying it so mm. much that that is the real milestone of the success for me so i mean I'm, I'm thinking of examples so there's there's a great shot in war of the worlds i know that film's probably a, a few years old now that with the, the tom cruise version oh, where yeah where they're driving along and there's, there's this camera move that that's going, you know, it's inside the car and then it pulls outside and it's wide and it's circling around them. And then it goes back inside and, you know, it's not, it's not a flashy shot. The screaming VFX. Mm. Cause it's in that moment, it's about them escaping and it's about those characters in that car with all the, the chaos and, and carnage going on around them. And you could easily watch that sequence and not even know that that was a VFX shot. But of course, yeah. I'm looking at it going, that's an impossible camera move. How, you know, the entire background has to be completely CG backgrounds in no other way of doing this. But you could so easily just just not know that, that was a VFX shot yeah. at all because it's about those two characters in that moment, in that mm-hmm. in that story. And I think there's a, there's a similar, let's say a similar one in children of men where there's some mm. great like long mm. long oners in there as well and there's a car chase in that where again you're inside the car with characters as there's all this chaos going on around and then you know it pulls out at the end that's a similar gag where it's not a big screaming vfx shot but you're just in there in that moment and completely absorbed in that scene and the vfx is allowing that story to happen and yeah, exactly. yeah. So in moving to the next question, which is again part of the geek section, is the um, almost the show that stands out as a piece of yeah, a visual effects masterclass. I've been really enjoying 
the films that Denny Villeneuve's been making, like, you know, I just recently saw Dune and, you know, obviously Arrival was a favourite of mine. Oh, yeah. The Blade Runner remake was, was incredible because they, you know, obviously there's a ton of incredibly well-made visual effects. I'm not thinking about the VFX at all. Yeah, it's about they, they made these really, really well integrated worlds where, you know, you just, you just, you're just completely absorbed in this world. I'm not. I'm not thinking about how it's put together. I'm not trying to work out. Oh, where's the mat line? And what? How much of this was practical? And how much was a was a takeover? Yeah, I love that. I love the. the I mean, the rival. The the sense of well. I mean, the sense of scale in all of his movies. Actually, I thought the sense of scale in in Dune was incredible with the all the spaceships there. Yeah. Thought the the alien ships in Arrival were were great in that they. Mm. You know, they're the sort of antithesis of what you would think to do with trying to make something seem huge and they're just these kind of amorphous blobs. But they, you know, really get that sense of of these absolutely dwarfing their environment. Yeah. And they're just solid bits of, just really solid bits of sci-fi. You know, the the the, the VFX there, that spectacle is in support of really yeah. interesting sci-fi ideas in those movies. So uh, best, anything you want to kind of say about character design? Any great characters realised for you on screen? Yeah, I was trying to think about this because there's the classic, I mean, I mentioned obviously Godzilla earlier as a kind of classic monster. I think, you know, I, this Predator from all the movies I grew up on as, <laughs> as a kid, but I was trying to think of something a bit less obvious. There. And I, I wanted to mention the movie Annihilation. Which Still not that, seen it, you know. Well, it's there's a lot of interesting things. I think there's, it's a bit of a mishmash of a movie. There's some really interesting, good things in it. And there's some things that I'm less of a fan of, but there's a zombie bear thing in that that is just genuinely weird and creepy in its design. And there's there's just something about the scene in which it appears that just works so well. There's such a physicality to it. And it, you know, it's obviously very well comped in. It just really, really works. And I don't, I'm assuming there was some practical thing on the set that i'm assuming that it was completely replaced with cg i'm not entirely sure of the process but it worked really really well so i would say watch the movie for that for weird was, zombie bear thing i was alone. gonna say you had me at zombie bear <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm in i mean that's all in it i wish i'd known that before but yeah i'll get it back on the list so that concludes the the, the geeky bit we get into kind of like i guess the final furlong of the pod where we get into advice and industry and and, and diversity and inclusion and uh, the first element of that is uh, again another hypothetical situation where you you go and visit your teenage self so the aliens have been already you know you've done all the uh, the explanations to the extraterrestrials now you're getting in a delorean and you're going back in time to visit your teenage self what advice would you give if you're back just you know understand that can have a successful career being a nerd you know <laughs> i had quite modest ambitions because i, I just didn't think that was a thing you could do so just just having that enlightenment of going actually yeah you, you could okay. you could work in you could work making movies one day that that is a that is an actual career option would have really helped me along the way <laughs> yeah yep. took, me, took me too many years to figure that out uh, yeah and that, it resonates with me as well yeah nothing wrong with it yeah harness that 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 nerd uh, yeah that, yeah, that yeah just exactly being paid being paid to be a nerd is is awesome yeah you don't have to wear suits or anything it's brilliant yeah, yeah let's do it and a similar different question is what do you wish you'd known when you were starting out just probably that there are no dumb questions that you know you just have confidence to be able to show an interest and and ask people yeah. things because even 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 at my stage in the career there's 
all the time when I'm, I'm in meetings and there, there are things being talked about. Yeah. I just think, just I don't ask. know what that is. Just yeah. ask. There's, there's no shame in that. You can't know everything. And yeah. I wish I'd know all that when I was coming up, you know, that idea of just being authentic and just going, you know what? I don't know that. And you yeah, tell just me, put your hand up. You what's go, that acronym yeah. mean? You know, all that. I don't know what that is. Yeah. And just make, and people make time. The one thing I've learned, uh, particularly in this industry is people make time. I mean, look how successful like the Axis VFX mentoring program is and, and, and the examples you've given about, you know, your VFX heroes, people, you, you know, taking time out as busy as they are. People always mm. make time for, you know, people either coming up or, or not because you're always learning, aren't you? You know, yeah, company I think, accepted. yeah definitely i mean if, if you're gen, if you show a genuine interest and you know people absolutely will take time i think especially because you know we're we spend so much time on these things that we're creating that sometimes can just be on screen for like a fraction of a second that you know it's nice to show off how much work is in, involved with that and if you've got a junior artist who's coming up sort of saying oh could you show me how you did that thing mm. then yeah people have that has always worked when you show a genuine interest and people make that time to to uh, pass on some little nuggets of uh, of, of totally. uh, knowledge. Yeah, yeah, be, be that captive audience. It's great, mm. it's great advice, isn't it? And just in terms of learnings and your own learnings over your career, because again, you've worked on a lot of lot of shows. It could have been that kind of three month uh, heavy duty job you talked about earlier, but show or time in your career did you learn the most and what? It's usually been the ones where I've just felt horribly out of my depth. The actually working on Hugo was a great opportunity because they they really gave me the check. They, you know, I was asking for more complicated shots, and they they were throwing shots at me that were definitely way above what I should have been doing for my level of experience. And you know, it was, it was hard. It was all native stereo as well, so it was it was great to uh, to figure that out. Honorable mention along the way was a little. I did a little just zero budget superhero movie for a friend of mine who directed it called Super Bob, which... I love Super Bob. Oh, you know the shit? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, movie. Brett yeah, Goldstein, yeah. 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 So I knew the director, John Drever, and he I was almost doing it as a favour. I mean, there was no there was no money in it, but like, just really hands-on in that, you know, I had to be my own producer. I had to do scheduling. I had to be there on the shoot. Wow. And again, there was no one to hold my hand through it. I just had to, to figure it out. So it was this great learning experience even if you know i ended up almost just paying my artist out of my own pocket because there was there was just no budget for it i probably have to say though to commit to an answer that blue bolt my current employer because they you know they they took me on as a lead with with the chance to become a, a supervisor and they, they gave me that that room to to mm. to figure it out and to learn and and start me on jobs and it was about giving me that allowing me that chance to fail and you know they they gave me support along the way of course and they were mm. they were they were brilliant in helping me to reach where I am but it was also about them knowing that I'm gonna sometimes fall flat a little bit and uh, and I'm just gonna have to push through it and yeah. and get to where I am now so they they definitely gave me an opportunity to to step things up that's a great answer and again I'm, I'm a big fan of you know having room to fail when we're setting mm. setting goals where there is that space to you know it's like a sandbox isn't it just you know, you know try stuff out doesn't work try something else and that's how you learn right absolutely yeah so what would you change about the visual effects industry is there anything you tweak or change probably yeah i mean circling back i talked about before just just the insanely long hours we mm. we have to do I I know it's 
there's, there's certainly it feels like some companies bid shows where they're just assuming that that artists are working 14 hour days and shouldn't have to be like that i think blue bolt has a very healthy work culture in that the people who started it all came from those big facilities where where you know and they, they wanted to do something a little bit different and there's more of an approach of if you just bid and schedule a job correctly then you shouldn't have to do those insane hours but of, i mean of course jobs there's there's always things outside of your control and you know of course you're always going to end up working overtime and but i i'm a believer in on wherever possible just not telling your artist to not do overtime when mm. there's no need to just just don't burn yourself out you know hold on to that so that when it is crunch time and we ask you okay now we need you to do some can, late nights yeah. and weekends then you know that 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 isn't something that's going to just finish your finish your artist off it's a good one i remember uh, jasmine katata khan on one of our recent episodes talked about her career her creativity coaching mm. uh, and how she does the main reason she does that is because there's a lot of artist burnout and typically we lose great talent you know a lot of people you know, throw the towel in after a, a job where they've literally sold their you know not sold their soul but you know they're giving everything up you know literally just working around the clock all the hours yeah. and, and uh, yeah and not having any, any time for them and it, it's it's tough yeah absolutely i mean i know i know that obviously running a business here and like there's you know we still have to make deadlines and make it a profitable show but yeah we we you have to have that sense of play you know we're, we're doing we're doing this job because we're passionate about it and we you know it's cool and fun and, right. and yeah if if possible i try not to uh, just try to make sure that artists don't don't reach that burnout stage okay. so we're coming into the uh, the last two questions now which we are which are called the industry advice question and the career advice questions so i'm going to start with the industry one um what's one thing we can do as a step towards a more inclusive and diverse visual effects i'm unsure what i can offer here as advice you know i i got into this industry as a middle-aged white guy so i don't know if i'm the most qualified to say what i will mention is that i work for a company that is privately owned company by two two women and managing director and the head of production are also women so my four four bosses are all you know brilliant women who you know it's it's a pleasure to work for and there's something in that isn't there around uh, you know it's quite rare in this industry which absolutely yeah absolutely shouldn't be do you get a different experience or different is there a different perspective that you get working for a company like google compared to what you've done previously yeah, I think there's, there's, as I mentioned, just a healthier approach towards that work-life balance and just, you know, realizing that people have lives outside of work. It's been interesting with, with sort of remote working that, I, you know, they, we can have more flexibility with, with working hours, which I think is helpful for people that have families. You know, if, if you've got kids, you know, when, when we're all in the office or when, you, when you're on set, I've seen how hard that is for people with families that, you know, you're just working long hours, you just never see your kids and any of this sort of thing. But certainly I think it would help to have more flexible working hours with that remote working where it's applicable. So that if people need to go do the school run or, you know, work shifted hours in because they're in a different time zone or something like that, that, that mm. that's all a step to, to allowing more people to remain in the industry. Yeah, and, and, and it's a, an attractive proposition for any company, isn't it, to mm. have decent, flexible working practices, particularly off the back of, you know, the pandemic world that we're hopefully coming out of at some point. But, you know, you know people, people get to vote with their feet now if, uh, 
if uh, you know, studios and companies don't have decent hybrid working situations. Yeah, yeah. So the the final, the big the big finish is our career advice question. So we're looking for golden nuggets, Richard, and it's got to be the the go to. Richard Fraser, Golden Nugget for Career Advice, which is for anyone trying to get into the industry, what have you got? Oh, gosh, that's that's a lot of pressure for the... I know, right? We'll <laughs> have to do a big golden nugget. <laughs> Also, listen to some of your previous guests who have also given, like, great, great answers. So, you know, just... I mean, somebody mentioned never taking feedback personally, which I think is mm. key one that, you know, we're all, we're all doing this job where it's as pouring ourselves into it creatively you know if, if your supervisor is is saying your shot's not working that's no it's, it's not a personal attack with they're just trying to get the shot to work I think it's what's worked for me is just get good at one thing but also it is a collaborative industry and you know we have diff, different people with all these different specialisms and it's it's really good to know just a little bit about what all those other departments do you know be be really good at the thing you do but but understand what all these other what these all these other stages are i think once i started going on set like that was a real eye-opener to me to see like how cameras and lighting and all these things worked in the real world and how that's applicable for them when you're recreating things digitally that's that's really helpful and then yeah just just perhaps again a call back to what i was saying before about uh, about not being afraid of failing if you're learning anything new, there's going to be a period where where you're not very good at it and you just need to push through and embrace that and go, I'm going to suck at this for a while until I get better mm. and just not to not to be discouraged by that. It's part of the learning process. Yeah. I love it. I'm always just trying to learn new things. I think I always like to have something on the go, some new thing I'm trying to learn where I go. Oh, I'm not very good at that thing yet. And I'm going to have a period of being terrible at it, but hopefully I'll push through and, and figure really it good. out. And it's such yeah. a theme of a lot of these conversations is, you know, everybody is always learning. There's always new tech, new software, new practices, new, mm. new additions to the pipeline. Like it's just an endless, an endless education, which is, which is a good, a good place to leave it, Richard, I think. Good. Thank you so much for joining us on the pod. I think that's been another, another content rich episode, a lot in there. If we had a Patreon section, we would dive into Under the Skin. I mean, God, there's uh, there's so many great movies there and shows that I'm a big fan of, but that would be completely self-serving and very selfish of me to, to lean into that too much. But uh, before we go, Richard, is there anything you, you want to talk about or plug or anything you're working on that we should be keeping an eye out for? I mentioned before, I'm about to start work on the TLK Last Kingdom special. So that will be me for the next year that I'm working on up until August. Brilliant. I've no idea when that will be out in the world. That will be the thing I'm excited about working on and hopefully fans out there are going to be excited to see at the end of it. Right, well, that's something to get excited about. And yeah, you've got your flight to Hungary. Is that right? Yes, I'm off there. Excellent. Yeah, this weekend. Good. Yeah, well, and then Safe travels, mate. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me on. No worries. Have a good day. And uh, yeah, have a great time on in the next year. I look forward to seeing the, uh, the output. Great. Cheers. Thanks, Simon. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Well, that was episode 10 of the Access VFX podcast. We very much hope you enjoyed it. We certainly did geek out in that chat, didn't we? It's so cool meeting people who play such key roles on shows such as Under the Skin. If you haven't seen it, you should absolutely go check it out, by the way. Before you go, a couple of things. Please do go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating, subscribe and leave us a nice review if you fancy it. And most importantly, please get involved with our Foundry-sponsored global e-mentoring program. 
If you are in the UK, USA, Canada, Australia or New Zealand, you can sign up for free to get an industry mentor or be a mentor yourself to folks aspiring or just getting started in the visual effects, animation or games industry. Go to www.accessvfx.org forward slash mentors. That's www.accessvfx.org forward slash mentors and change someone's life. Thank you, Richard, for being a fantastic guest. Thanks to Tom Box for producing it and for the graphics. And of course, as always, thanks to you for listening. Please come and join me next week where we speak to another brilliant guest. Watch this space. Thank you.